Ten Commandments in the news. Is President Trump really a Christian? And some, I don't even know how to explain this story. The last, let's just say this. The last segment is not for children. We talk about how a mother to her granddaughter gives birth to a baby for her son. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, you guys are putting mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Pastors, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Proving the axiom that bad habits are hard to break. This is Table Talk Radio. We are... Uh, for you or some, for the listener? Uh, for us. We just keep doing it. I mean... You would think that at some point we would quit doing this show, but it's just like a bad habit I, we can't I know. shake. Uh, oh, I see. I got you. Yep. Yeah, it's not funny. Been trying to, to quit it. for eight years now. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ruined it. I, I mean, everybody else got it, it, but when you had to explain it. Anyway, uh, we're going to do some Ten Commandments in the news, and we're going to be looking at some comments from the uh, YouTube video. The, the YouTube, what do you call this? The, the YouTube. YouTube's uh, channel of glory. What is it? <laughs> the worldwide wolf so that's, YouTube. That's all you do now. But I mean, some some people try to come up and talk to you, uh, and and you're like, hey, what's going on? But you're making a YouTube video at the same time, so you can talk to me. But that's you're, right. You're in the YouTube. <laughs> you're going to be live. Everyone who talks like, to me has to sign a waiver. Everywhere you go, you're going to like hospitals. You're going to shut-in visits. You're going to sleep, and you're always making a YouTube video at the same time. I don't know how you do it. Anyway. Well, we're going to look at some of those comments. I, uh, I think that recording on the in the car is the best way to go. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that. And I think I, I'm, I was thinking the other day that might be all I ever do is just record in the truck because it's the easiest to capture that time, and that's what I'm thinking about. Stuff, I'm curious. So. What will your—maybe uh, you don't know the answer to this yet, but what are your drive times going to look like when you're in Austin? I'm just wondering if I Similar. should expect longer videos or shorter videos. Longer? <laughs> it oh, An upgrade. I lost you. you is, what did you say about the traffic? I said it's not an upgrade from Denver. That ah, is oh. for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a look it's at be some worse. of the comments of your recent video. But first, theological buzzwords. All right, Pastor, what's your, what's your buzzword? Bodily resurrection. Boom. Whoa. Happy Easter, by the way. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. This is, uh, we, you know, we think about the resurrection. I keep hearing this business of the true myth, the true myth of Christianity, that the, the, the idea that well, it, didn't, it didn't happen 
it wasn't a historical event. It was just a true event, like creation. Right. Okay. Well, it, look, it, if it's not history, it's the category of history. And that's just about it. And I was thinking about this because someone said, um, someone's uh, made this point. Theologian said, I don't believe in the bodily resurrection. That's why Mark doesn't have the actual resurrection account. It only empty tomb. And I was thinking about that. Let's say the tomb stayed sealed shut. And, and Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and then in the upper room and then to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee and gave them fish and so forth and so on, etc. And, and, uh, uh, and, and nobody ever saw the empty tomb. Well, then, then you could say, well, maybe this was a, some sort of vision or something like this. But the, but the fact that the resurrection starts before Jesus is ever seen with the, with the, with the empty tomb makes us ask the question, well, what happened to that body? And it's that body that was raised. It's that, that so that the empty tomb forces us to consider the bodily resurrection and not the true myth or whatever that the libs want to talk about with the thing. So that's my buzzword for you: bodily resurrection. And and I think we cannot drive this point home enough that our graves will be as empty as the grave of Jesus. We also are destined for the bodily resurrection. It's not some sort of true myth. It's a it's a historical event. I remember when this came up. You remember a few years ago, uh, Bill O'Reilly, is that his name, that, that wrote the book? He wrote a bunch of books, but one of them was Killing Jesus. And he, he set out to be a historical book. He didn't want to make any um, uh, uh, theological claims, just, just the facts, just the historical stuff. And he leaves out the resurrection. Um, and, and because, supposedly, that's a religious claim, not a historical claim. But just think about... Th that notion. I mean, if I said grandma raised from the dead, uh, there's, there's a, a real easy proof, whether that is true or false. And you just go to grandma's grave. <laughs> and if, if the grave is still there, then she probably hasn't been, hasn't raised from the dead. But if the tomb is like dug out and She's walking around, then I suppose it, it did happen. And and I don't know why that is some sort of a religious claim. It's, it's just a matter of asking, is the dead body still dead, or is the dead body now risen? Yeah, this happened every Easter. We have to think about this, how these um, surveys, right, about how people ask, if, if they found the body of Jesus, would you still be a Christian? And almost everyone says, well, yeah, sure. It wouldn't change anything. Well, that's... But that's wrong. That's the, that. That is not Christianity. Christianity says no. It's the fact. It's the history of the empty tomb of the bodily resurrection of Jesus that, on which we ground our faith. Yeah. Well, uh, my theological buzz phrase for you came from uh, apparently something you said on a YouTube video. So I'm getting it from one of the commenters of your video, and my theological buzz phrase for you, which I don't know why I'm uh, defining words that you use, but I'll try. Uh, the theological buzz phrase, theological imagination. <laughs> and uh, one of your commenters says, quote, theological imagination, oh, the irony. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Oh, you don't get He's it? He's got to oh. explain his insult to me. Oh, you say, <laughs> he says, you say that you like to think about these things. I'm still waiting for you to start. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> you know, you got to, I mean, walking through the YouTube comments is like going through a dark alley. <laughs> The back streets of Athens or something. So I, think... I took a group. Uh, you, here's, a, here's a hot tip for you. Whenever you want to get somewhere in Athens, do not take the shortest route according to Google Maps. It's not oh. always the best idea. Oh, so Google we came through it. Everybody was still alive, but a couple of wallets were missing from backpacks. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Well, I so this is what and I... That's, whenever you visit the YouTube comments, that's what it's like, man. It's like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Bring out the thugs and the clubs. <laughs> Uh, so I, this is what I think you mean by theological imagination. Now, there's something about, uh, and I think this is why we play the game we're going to play next, the Ten Commandments in the News. There's something about having your mind set on things um, that you start to see the world differently. So, um, you know, if I'm really into, I don't know, uh, an, if, I, if I'm studying to be an electrician and I'm learning kind of the, the basics of how to, to do how wire a house, Suddenly, because I've taken some classes, I start seeing, hey, look at that outlet, or look how they did this. I start noticing things I'd never noticed before. And when we start thinking theologically and we uh, start exploring uh, ideas that would come up from a theological perspective, now we're, we're really uh, in, uh, exploring the scriptures and, and seeing all that they, they have to give us. And I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's what you mean by theological imagination, but he thinks... Uh, he finds the irony to be funny as if theology is imaginary. Mm-hmm. Imaginary did theology. Did I just explain the insult to you? If, yeah. Anytime, you know, just I know bring... I Pastor, I'm willing to offer this service to you for free. When people insult you, if you need me to explain the insults... <laughs> See, that's would, right. It's helpful because I'm like, I don't get it. That might be a good segment you, on Table Talk so Radio, angry? the insult hour. And I'll just, we'll just go Why through you, all your insults right. and I'll well, explain them for you. <laughs> what made you so angry? I'm like Elf. Remember Elf? And he, he, he just goes around offending people, but he has no capacity to understand why. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm, just trying to get, I'm just trying to love the world and... No, I don't understand why everybody's being so mean. <laughs> so we're running shy on time on this first segment. So is there a, a, a particular comment or two that you want to try to discuss from this video gap? I, I, I was apparently behind. There, there's 157 comments on my gaps of evolutionism uh, video that I made here. I that like was my you. favorite. Six seconds in and two fallacies. Uh, <laughs> amazing. The title makes three. <laughs> but here's one from Chris Lever who says, "If I, my policy, by the way, is to heart all the insulting comments. Nice. Just, just what, nice. it, so I just have to look for my hearts here. If a supernatural magic is your explanation for the gaps in evolution, you really need to show better evidence of it instead of using assertions based on a single source. You should also consider that there are plenty of people throughout the world that have different religious beliefs who would consider other cre uh, creation stories more credible than what's in the Bible. Why would one believe? Why would one belief be more correct than another? Which should be di dismissed, and why? The gaps that God can hide in seem to become smaller as humanity acquires more knowledge and understanding of our history and surroundings. Why does this happen? Ooh, interesting. Uh, so, what yeah. say you? Now, I so 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 I have this idea. I got to make a. Um, I, uh, the, the the idea the sci the the evolutionist scientism scientist now using these as official things the idea is that like we had these supernatural explanations of these phenomenons but those are closing in and so these gaps are getting smaller and smaller but I, I think in fact I think in fact the opposite has happened 
And I'll explain that maybe beginning of next segment. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to uh, do some Ten Commandments in the News. That is a good Table Talk Radio episode right there. Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway... If you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. We're back here on Table Talk Radio. Well, maybe the maybe the thing to start with here, Pastor Wolfmiller, is to give us just the brief synopsis of this video, Gaps of Evolutionism, and then you can uh, address this commenter that made this. Uh, this I can't remember. It was like a the, week ago that I made this That was thing. in the How gaps of, of your memory. <laughs> My own memory. Here's, so, here, so, so you have this picture that, like, um... There's natural explanations of everything. So let's see, the evolutionist here, the, and not we're taking evolutionism for the kind of monistic, cosmological view of pure naturalism. Everything is cause and effect and so forth. So there's no God at all. And the, so, the, the, so then you assume that there's a, there's a cause for every effect, when, but, and there's a, there's a connection between everything. So that everything we see now was the, got here through the process of gradual, in one way or another, change. That's the idea. So, so you had to get from, who knows, from nothing to everything. You had to get from non-living to living. You had to get from one cell to two cells. You had to get from unconscious to conscious. There's all these jumps and leaps that are unaccounted for. It's uh, you know we talk about the missing link all the time, the link between primate and human, and everyone's looking for the missing link. But I th what, what I'm suggesting is that there are, I bet I mean we could probably find hundreds of missing links that are that are that the, the, the more we understand science, the more those gaps grow. They don't close. They don't shrink. They're not being covered. They're expanding. So it could be that, you know, the ancient world didn't understand lightning, and so they said that Zeus was throwing down lightning bolts or something, and now we understand electricity. So that, so that makes sense of light, or that earthquakes were a matter of, of the anger of God, rather, because we didn't understand plate tectonics or something like this. So we understand those things, and so those old pagan explanations of the of these naturalistic phenomenons have given way to science and and the assumption that the evolutionist has is that it'll just keep going and going and going until there's no until there's no gaps at all but i think the more we study these things and the more we learn about them the gaps get bigger and bigger and the more gaps that we're finding so, so i can, picked up a book in the library I yeah, just, yeah go ahead i was just gonna ask you could you could you think of an example of of uh of uh, a gap that's widening in the scientific realm uh, because of more scientific discovery. Well, I was listening to this Radio Lab episode about the gap between 
one cell and two cells. And the amount of things that have to happen for a cell to replicate, to, for a cell to be self-replicating, -rep are so phenomenal that they have no that the gap between just being one kind of a one cell thing to being a two cell to, to to being to being able to replicate a cell is so wide that they don't understand how you can get from one to another and the more that we understand about the process from one place to another then the then the the less we know how it possibly could have happened or the gap from no dna to dna just for as if that, or the gap from, and here's the, where we start to get somewhat philosophical, but the gap from, from unconscious to conscious, or I just picked this wasn't even on the video. I picked up a book in the library yesterday about language, and it was talking about how evolutionists have just about given up on the problem of how language evolved. They can't, they can't figure that out. They can't. There's no. The more they study language and what it means and how it functions and so forth, there's no way to go from non-language to, to language. There's no, in other words, there's no gradual progression between these things because, because the, the um the amount of the 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 difference between say one cell and two cells, or the difference between asexual and sexual reproduction, or the difference between unconscious and conscious, or the difference between uh, inorganic and organic the, these differences are so are so profoundly huge that there's no gradual way to get from one to the other they're 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 tremendous leaps and the more we understand the differences between them the bigger the leaps get so you can i mean before we had like electron microscopes or before we had mapped the the, the dna sequence and things like this that the 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 easier it seemed that you just have a glob that becomes two globs you know but but the but the more we dig into it i was looking at this uh ted talk the other day about this guy had a he did a video of the duplication of one strand of dna have you seen that thing no it's like a it's an animation it's an animation of how dna replicates at, at its actual speed it just magnified times a billion or whatever and you can see this dna replicating itself and it's it's unbe it's unbelievable the precision and the and just the, the details that are involved in that and that's and and that's just what we know now i mean there's so many more things that have to be happening that and so the the more we learn about the the world the bigger uh, these gaps seem to be growing and instead of instead of shrinking hmm. So when when the the YouTube commenter says if a supernatural magical being is your explanation for the gaps in evolution, you really need to show better evidence of it. Uh, so what do you how do you respond to that much? Well, I I don't I don't think I've, um, I don't think the video was saying that it if you don't if you can't answer the gap then it has to be God. What uh, what I'm suggesting is that there are gaps. And th those gaps are not the result of ignorance, but those gaps are in fact the result of knowledge. Mm. It's not. It used to be this idea. I mean, just to go back to the lightning example, we didn't know electricity, so lightning was a mystery. So we used God to explain it. That's the God of the gaps theory. But what I'm suggesting is that the more we understand these things, the larger the gap gets, and that's and that evolution. Then the idea that one thing becomes another becomes an unsustainable uh, ideology to explain how we have things like stuff or consciousness or language or 
or um, sexual reproduction. All, all of these things are un, that, that they are unexplainable by the logic of evolutionism. Ah, I so see. I so I'm not saying I I don't think I do in the I mean I might say well it's we know we've got a head start I mean we do Christians have a head start on all of these discoveries because we have we we have the 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 words of the one who made it so we we know and we could even know where the gaps are we could just look in in evolution or, or in in um in Genesis uh, chapter one and see where we we would expect to find these gaps between beasts and man between between uh, non-living and living, between non-living and plants, uh, between the various different kinds, that there's going to be walls that are unjumpable. And, um, and evolution is predicated on the idea that every wall is a jumpable wall. But we, the more we study and see these things, the more these walls become unjumpable. You, you just can't... It's, it's not that... It's not that our, our study is making these gaps close in. It's, it seems like the study is making these gaps grow wider, which is has to be a fearful thought uh, for the evolutionist. Uh, very good. All right, you want to hit some Ten Commandments in the news? Yeah. All right, this one comes from our listeners, and it's an audio clip. Welcome back. 2020 Democratic presidential Thank candidate you. Pete Buttigieg facing backlash after questioning President Trump's faith. The candidate telling USA Today, quote, I'm reluctant to comment on another person's face, faith, as he should be. But I would. But I would say it's hard to look at this president's actions and believe that they're the actions of somebody who believes in God. Here to respond is Pastor Robert Jeffress, a Fox News contributor who has prayed with the president. Pastor, what do you make? Welcome, first of all. Thank you. What do you make of this uh, comment by uh, Buttigieg about uh, the president's faith? Buttigieg. Well, it's absolutely outlandish for somebody to make a comment like that who's never had any interaction with the president and certainly has never prayed with him like I have. And if you look, read this interview, Buttigieg is objecting to the idea President Trump believes in God for two reasons. He says, first of all, President Trump and conservative Christians like me spend our time talking about things that Jesus never talked about, like abortion. Uh, pardon me? I think Peter, uh, Mayor Pete better go back and read his Bible. Bible, Jesus said, thou shalt not murder. Jesus said it would be better for somebody to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into the sea than to harm a child. Jesus did address the issue of abortion. But uh, Buttigieg also said that Trump isn't humble enough to believe in God. And look, uh, at a dinner not long ago, I was with President Trump and he said to a group, he said, you know, Pastor Jeffers says I'm not a perfect Christian, but I am a great leader. And and that's true. I mean, there are no perfect Christians. We're all sinners who need a savior. But as somebody said, God doesn't choose perfect people. He chooses people who are perfect for the job. And there are tens of millions of Christians like me who believe that President Trump is perfect for the job, not of <laughs> national Sunday school teacher, sure. but of president of the United well, States. King David. All right. What do you think of that exchange? Wow. Interesting. There you go. That is a great for for ten commandments in the news, now what who who is the guy who's the Democratic presidential one of the seven thousand of them running for president? <laughs> no, there's there's a lot. Uh, Buttigieg, I don't know his Buttigieg. I don't. I have to confess, I've never heard. That I think. Name. I wonder what the probability is if you just open up the phone book and point to a name of landing on a Democratic candidate. Do you I think imagine. that that's there's a lot of these guys. Do we know anything about the Buttigieg? I don't know a thing about him. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool if he got into it just because the name Buttigieg is kind of cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so jig. so he he publicly says uh, that He's pretty he, sure Trump is not a Christian. Yeah, yeah, no, not a believer in God. Did he say not a Christian or not a believer in God? I'll go back. You know, we're coming up on a break, so I can fact check that fact right and here. The, and the two points believe of in God. proof. Believe in God. He doesn't believe in God. And the two points of proof is that he doesn't talk about the things Jesus talked about, and he's not humble enough. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be some interesting things Man, to consider. This is a lot to talk. This is great. Yeah. This is a lot to talk about. Great story. And our listeners are the ones giving us this great content. If you have something for us to discuss, you can email us questions at tabletalkradio.org questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can also give us a call and leave us a voicemail. 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back here on Table Talk Radio. A wise man once said, I listen to Table Talk Radio. He only said it once. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Alright, so before the break, we heard a clip from Fox News. and uh, That's a fa- fascinating clip. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, give us your thoughts and we should get... I mean, why? I just commands. want to announce to our listeners that during the break, I ordered a lab coat from Amazon. <laughs> so the next time someone accuses me of not being scientific in the YouTube comments, I can contradict them. <laughs> just put on the old lab coat. Got to keep it handy. Works for some people, so I don't know why it wouldn't work for you. You know, lab coat only costs 14 bucks. I thought it would be a lot more expensive than that. <laughs> Anyhow, we're talking about uh, President Trump not being a Christian. This is very interesting. How? Let me take a half step back and just ask you this. So say, hey, what do you think President, the state of the conscience of President Trump is? What do you, His convictions. If you were to just look from what he says and how, what he does, and what, how would you answer the question, hey, it's President Trump. A Christian, how do you how do you get at that? Well, um, the first way would be um, to analyze his his uh, beliefs that are known only to him and God, and uh, that is pretty hard. So, without that, uh, you know, possibility availed to us, uh, the two things that we could look at, I suppose, uh, are his uh, confession of faith. So, what does he say he believes? Um, and then, uh, I suppose we could look at his, his actions. Um, and, uh, by that, I don't mean to say, let's analyze to see if, uh, if he sins, because that would not be a disqualifying factor, right? Um, because I could, you know, I could do that for anyone. I, I believe I'm a Christian. Oh, look, you, uh, you lied once before. You must not be a Christian. Well, uh, we, uh, all sin. So the fact that someone sins is not a disqualifying factor. But if someone says, I'm a Christian, and then week after week they go to the Buddhist temple, I think there's reason to doubt that person's confession. There's at least a contradiction in what they say they believe versus the confession they're living out. Uh, so I'd say that there are, are, are two two things there. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right, and and I think in general, I mean, you so we can look at the the life of Trump, the past, and he lived a pretty profligate, reprobate life uh, from all accounts. I mean, multiple marriages and 
and um, you know, all sorts of indiscretions and, and so forth. Um, and that would be, uh, but it's, so you so that is your first question. But then you just you you then go along and you want to question. Well, what what was going on in the midst of all of that? It was there sorrow? Was there contrition? Was there repentance? How, how does it end? And we don't see too many outspoken statements uh, from President Trump of his Christian faith. Uh, I mean, yet when asked, he does say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. He did have that funny thing about his favorite Bible passage, the two <laughs> Corinthians text. I remember that. And then he talked about how like the Bible was the only book better than the art of the deal at some point. And there is a, a, a flamboyant sort of arrogance uh, to him that does, that do, do, does press against how we would hope a Christian would act publicly in this life. So, and, and there's, I mean, I'm just thinking what's so funny. Well, I mean, like if you were, if you were talking like, Oh, that book, uh, has American Christianity failed. That's great. That's, I think the Bible is the only book better than that. I mean, just, I mean, it is a huge stroke of arrogance, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know that the most humble people are getting elected for high office. Yeah, that's right. And there is a strange mix in President Trump of of bombacity and humility. There's these little glimpses of of profound gratefulness and humility that you see every now and again. I remember one time I was listening to one of his speeches and I started to catch that he was talking about love. And I did. So I grabbed the transcript of the speech and I just I did a search for love. And he was all the time talking about love, 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 things he loved, how we got to love each other, how love is. It was amazing to see it. And I went and I compared a similar speech, I think, from President Obama, President Clinton and president and candidate Hillary Clinton and not a word about love. Well, uh, which I thought was very interesting. I noticed that President Trump always uses that. I mean, he doesn't ever say he likes anything. <laughs> he'll just say, it's like, I, pizza, I love pizza. <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's just how he talks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, the, so, so you and I, I think, would have some, some pretty profound criticisms of, the, of President Trump, both of his theology, if we ever got any of it, and of his life. Uh, that would be one thing. But this is the, but the criticism that Buddha Jog, what is it? Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. <laughs> the critique of Buttigieg is that is slightly different. Uh, it sounds like the non that that Trump is a non-believer. The criticism that he gets is that he doesn't talk about the things that Jesus talks about, which apparently is social justice. That's going to be my guess, and that and that Trump is too proud to be a Christian. I mean, I remember when President Obama was in office and he professed to be a Christian, and there were two things that. Uh, made me wonder personally about that. Now, I d- didn't say that. I didn't go out running for office uh, questioning a person's faith. But um, the, the two things that in the life of President Obama that made me question uh, whether he was truly a, a Christian was that he, in an interview, accidentally referred to his Muslim faith. And, uh, you know, I, d- <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had a slip of the tongue. I, I, I miss speak things on a regular basis, but I have never accidentally referred to my faith as the Muslim faith uh, by accident. That was the one thing. And the second thing was probably uh, less of a deal, but I, I remembered that the the news covered that he went to church on Easter. 
and uh, they said that it was his first time going to church since being elected. And I thought, okay, you're inaugurated in like uh, January, so I guess you could go a few months without going to church. But uh, seems like uh, I mean that, that was in comparison to like George W. Bush, who was going to church uh, like every Sunday, I suppose. Right. So uh, anyway, that, I wonder how often President Trump goes over to church there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, and and uh, you know, I mean, we have we have. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and our own congregations, right? That that don't come uh, that often either, and, and that is not um, to say that we can conclude that their faith is in question. But you know, it, it like goes back to what uh, what Luther said about the Lord's Supper that he would wonder if someone hasn't received the Lord's Supper even four times a year whether he was really a Christian. And that's all. That's only to say, I think um, that there's certain things that a Christian uh, desires. And the Lord's Supper is one of them. Um, that, that, in other words, a, a Christian sees what the Lord has to offer in the Lord's Supper as something important, and should want to go to receive those things. Right. That's right. So, okay. So, so, so I think we could certainly say, I think this would be well. You know, okay. So here, this guy Buttigieg is saying that Trump is not a liberal Christian like he wants. He he maybe is. He's not a social justice warrior Christian. Which is a real thing. I mean, there are those people who are, who think that Christianity is all about living like Jesus lived. In, in fact, this is the political danger. Maybe we're on to some, some pay dirt now. I mean, this whole thing is really interesting, but there's a danger in saying, what are the politics of Jesus? And it just so happens that everybody would expect that Jesus would agree with them if he would come down and vote. Mm. Yeah. So if you ask, we should do a survey. If you asked a Democrat, how would Jesus vote? Uh, exactly you're 100% like <laughs> if, Democrat. And then it's the same for the Republican. How would Jesus vote? I bet you get 100%. I mean, but who's going to say, oh, Jesus would probably vote Republican, but I'm going to vote Democrat. I mean, unless you're just an unbeliever or whatever. Right. But that's so true that everybody wants Jesus to be on their political side. I mean, that's, that's true with everything. I mean, what would... What would Jesus say about this doctrine or that doctrine? You ask a Baptist, what would Jesus say about baptism? Well, he would quote the Baptist con- convention or the, the London. What's the what's the the London uh, confession or whatever? You know, I mean that. Right. We all we all kind of have Jesus in our own image, <laughs> sadly enough. And this is this is the importance then of seeing the scriptures as something that stands objective to us that we submit ourselves to the scriptures. So we don't start out with a theological system, pouring it into the scriptures, and then saying, um, this is what the Bible says, but we should start out wanting to learn objectively what does the Bible say. Right. That's right. That's 100% right. So now, so what Now, what about this? the response of the pastor who said that, um, how did this go, that Jesus, that, that, that uh, Buttigieg, said that Jesus never talked about abortion, and that's what Trump talks about. And then the pastor says, well, what about the you shall not murder bit? What, <laughs> that's great. What now, so what do you think about this tactic? You, Jesus cared about what? So what, what, what do, the, do the Democrats want us to think about Jesus? Let's, let's ask that. How would, how would Buttigieg, if, if he's judged that President Trump is not a Christian, how would he judge a, what a Christian is in office. What do you think the opposite would be? Well, well, let me address the the abortion thing. So I think I think people would say that's begging the question. So you're you're assuming the answer. So when when you say Jesus says 
do not, you shall not murder, that includes the infants. They say, well, you're assuming the very thing that we're trying to debate. Um, however, I, I would suggest, what if we did this? What if someone came out, came out and said, it's okay to kill people of a certain color, or uh, it, it's okay to kill men but not women, or something like that. And, and they'd say, well, Jesus never addressed that. Jesus never said we couldn't kill a particular race. And we would say, yeah, he did. He said, you shall not murder. Now, in that scenario, it doesn't sound like it's begging the question. It's just saying, look, this is a person, and killing this person is murder. So, therefore, Jesus did talk about it. And um, I would I would say that the pro-choice crowd is begging the question and not willing to debate or or analyze, is this thing in the womb a human life or not? That's what's not being debated. How come there's music playing? Uh, it's your theological imagination. <laughs> All right. Wow. We're going to take another break. We need to finish up this Ten Commandments because we've got uh, another one right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You tuned in at the worst of all possible times. This is Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. All right, I think I derailed you. I think you were going somewhere in the last segment, but I completely switched and talked about the uh, the commandment thing. So, uh, what were we talking about? President Trump not being a Christian? Yeah, the thing that the the pastor was talking about. I'm oh yeah, that's right. No, I, I just I think it's an interesting question. I'm going to say, okay, so what commandments are up here? We have fourth commandment that has to do with government. We have the eighth commandment that has to do with telling the truth. We have. I suppose the first table of the law, first three commandments, has to do with the person's faith. We have the, especially the third commandment when it comes to what does the Bible say. We have the fifth, here's a very interesting thing about the fifth commandment, you shall not murder, which came up in this conversation about abortion and social justice. So so it's an amazing sort of thing is that Jesus says, you shall not murder, and uh, one person says, yeah, that means don't murder babies, and another person says, yeah, you should care for the homeless. Yeah. Which I suppose are both covered by the fifth commandment in some ways, but probably shouldn't set them against each other. I saw this, you know, there's someone protesting this abortion, protester, someone protesting abortion, they were being protested, and they said, uh, do you care for all of these babies that are born to moms that don't want them? And that's the big accusation. So if the baby's unwanted, you ought to be able to kill it. It just makes no sense. I mean, just to say, yeah, you're right. If a mom doesn't want the baby, she should just kill it. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I also but, wonder what it means to care. Um, I mean, I, I I, don't want anyone to die, but it doesn't mean that I have the resources to pay for everyone's well-being either. Right. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of commandments going on there. All right. All right we talked let, about the Sixth Commandment, divorce and marriage and all that. That's. Yeah. I think probably most of the commandments are covered. Right. By, by by the way, I, I think, uh, and, and maybe maybe I I fell to this earlier as I admitted in the show, but I think what we what we want to do is if someone uh, has a confession of faith, 
that we just kind of take them at face value unless there's something that uh, obviously proves otherwise. Um, so, so I don't think we should be in the position to be saying, well, so-and-so says they're a Christian. I don't think they are. Um, unless there's just some clear evidence that, uh, you know, they, they're, you know, like I mentioned, they're going to another worship place or something like that. So, right. Uh, and, and they could be held accountable to it. So you say you're a Christian, so then don't yes. do that sort of thing. That's what, how we ought to do it. Right. All right. Another story. Here's the headline. Get this 61 year old grandmother carries a baby for her son and his husband. Cecil Eldridge is a 61-year-old mother of three who has been... That just Wait, say that again. The headline? This is just not... This is like cuckoo land. <laughs> this from the... Uh, what's the satire? The, uh, the Onion? This is from The Onion. Oh, wait, no. Good Morning America. 61-year-old grandmother carries a baby for her son and his husband. What the... <laughs> All right. That is the most... I don't even think you could make up something that goofy. <laughs> All right, let me like, see. So talk about like a headline that only makes sense like in the last 10 minutes of world history. <laughs> That's true. Imagine publishing that in like 1990 <laughs> I or, or 2000, 2010. Ba- ma- ba- grandma? Car- so she's giving birth to her own grand. Daughter thing. Are, are we able to call her a daughter yet? Has she yeah. identified what yeah. gender she is? The yeah. baby. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, as far as we can tell at this point, it's a. Did daughter. they genderify her? Did they mansplain? Did these two dudes <laughs> married to each other mansplain the baby's gender? I think they. Did. That's what. That's what offends me in this article is that they identified this girl as a as a girl before she had the choice to decide what sort of gender she would want to be. All right. Do you want me to read a little bit of this, or do you just want to go I off the headline? So. I don't know. Where's the Pepto? <laughs> All right. Cecil Edridge is 61-year-old mother of three who has been health-conscious her entire life from being very conscientious about her diet to staying active. Last Monday, March 25th, this is a little bit old, Eldridge reaped the— March 25th is is the day of the Annunciation. That's the day that the church celebrates the uh, angel— Announcing to Mary that she was going to be pregnant. That is interesting. Well, on that on the day of Annunciation, the report says she reaped the rewards of that healthy lifestyle when she gave birth to her well, own because granddaughter. Because the big drama in the story was that she's sixty-one <laughs> giving birth. Like that's the big drama. <laughs> Old lady gives birth. No, no, no. no. To her own granddaughter, a healthy five-pound girl named uh, Uma. How would you pronounce U M A? Uma. Uma, okay, um, says uh, Uma is a daughter of Eldridge's son, Matthew Eldridge, 32, and his husband, Elliot. How can you be the baby of two dudes? Her birth, first reported. These word, <laughs> words do not mean anything anymore. I don't think I'm going to make it through this. You're the grandmother of the child that you gave birth to. Good heavens. <laughs> Uh, um, oh man! So, I don't even. Okay, what? So read that last sentence again. Let's just let's just point out the incongruities here. All right. Uma is the daughter of of Eldridge's son Matthew Eldridge, thirty two, and his husband Elliot Dottery, twenty nine. Her birth. <laughs> how do you get? See, so how do you be the son of two dudes? One dude has to be the dad, and the other dude is the. Adopted father? It's got to be st- stepfather. 
Are you? Are you? Are you? Uh, I was so... just at some point you have to stretch language <laughs> to try to get around what's happening here. Mother gives birth to her granddaughter. Now, normally that would be reason to lock someone up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Are, are you so narrow-minded and bigoted that you think that a child is the result of a man and a woman? Well, okay, <laughs> let's read on and see if there's there had to be some egg come in there somewhere. All right, I'm trying to uh, trying to. How would you know if so? If two dudes were having a baby, this is the genetic problem. Wouldn't you figure that the baby would be a boy because of the genetic? You know, do you got the dude and the dude? Mm. <laughs> I should have said that only with my lab coat on. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need to put your lab coat on. Lab for coat on. To say, hey, one time I figured out that babies need a mom and a dad. You can't. <laughs> uh, you can't. And you know it's official because I'm wearing my lab coat. You can't hear this, but I'm wearing a lab coat. <laughs> Science. All right, give me some more of this absurdity. Well, I'm it's like trying... Willy Wonka. All right, hold on. I'm gonna. All right, so this is what. The article says, um, quoting from the grandmother, every doctor I saw said there is no reason you cannot carry a baby to full term and delivery and deliver naturally. We were never careless about this um, and did it on a whim. Around this time last year, Cecil began taking hormones and estrogen to regain her menstrual cycle. The in vitro procedure that followed made Cecil simply the uh, um, gestational carrier with no direct biological link to the child. So, it, so the, it doesn't specify where the egg came from, but... Or the sperm. This is... See, yeah. I, what I'm... What, I mean, so like, what is the so what is the relationship between a, a mother and the baby in the womb if it's implanted? I mean, this is a, this weird ethical question. Is there a relationship there? What if, if this was her son's... Say they took the son's sperm. I, I don't know... <sighs> And uh, and and an egg donor, I suppose, and those go together. Is that, and then that baby is implanted in the mother. Is there some sort of incestuous sort of thing happening there? I have the same question, by the way. Is what happens? Say, say some guy goes and donates to the sperm bank, and then his sister goes and withdraws the sperm and and becomes impregnated by her brother unknowingly. In the sperm bank, is there something incestuous happening there? Which is just likely because that's all done anonymously, right? I mean, all that stuff is... I mean, what are the chances? But yeah, I, and, and I think you're making a good point that when we when we think about these things, it's not just... Um, this is probably not a segment for the youngest of Table Talk Radio listeners. I think um, that... Was, has that I don't been... think it's a segment for me. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's not just the act of intercourse that is in, potentially incestuous, but it's also the, the, the coming together of sperm and egg that we ought to consider in these things. Right. Yeah. So, so presumably you have the son's husband, uh, and then his he's... I don't even know. This uh, I just am trying to picture, like, you know, this little potential girl <laughs> there on at third grade, and be like, "Hey, bring some family pictures." And like, "Well, this is my dad, and this is my other dad, and this is my mom slash grandma." <laughs> well, what? I mean, I mean, the, do... the thing that we should point out, and this is the thing with all of these stories, is that we have. We and this this has been going on before we redefine marriage, but the redefinition of marriage 
just kind of poured gas on this fire. But we see children really as a commodity that that's for us. It's for our fulfillment. It's to make us happy. And uh, once we're there, and then you redefine marriage, um, now you're forcing adoption agencies to place children in in uh, in same sex uh, marriages. And uh, I mean, it's it's no longer the question what is truly best for the child. It is just uh, what makes me happy? What what fulfills my desires? Right. So and so you had at first technology being bent towards infertility, so you have birth control and all that sort of stuff. So that that and then that uh, that uh, causes the that sort of precipitates the breakup of marriage. But then now you get this redefinition of marriage. So now um, technology is being brought in to to bring about fertility in places where where fertility is is simply impossible. I mean, there's no egg and womb for these two, for this husband and husband. There's just no, they don't have the, so technology has to be brought in and they've brought it in, in a particularly strange way. I mean, why get mom to do this? Why? I mean, there's something about that. You want to make headlines. Did you have your 61 year old mom carrying your baby? I suppose there could be someone else who would be a more natural and not biologically related surrogate mother but you're doing this on purpose to be out there and it's yeah well we'll we'll leave it to the listeners to guess the comments on that story (laughs) thanks for listening to table talk radio i don't think the commandments have anything to do with that one (laughs) thanks for listening the bible probably doesn't have anything to say about that table talk radio is not for everyone please consult your pastor before listening to table talk radio Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. That story is like grinding the tablets of the Ten Commandments into powder and (laughs) snorting it like Coke.